Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody. This is Sandy Weiner, and I am the founder and chief love officer at LastFirstDate.com. I am devoted to helping women and men achieve healthy, off-the-charts love in the second half of life. And we have a fabulous show coming up for you today. I'm going to be speaking with social worker, coach, mentor, and musician, Jeff Zeff, about relationships in middle age. Does age really matter? As a dating coach, I specialize in helping women date as the high-value women that they are in every other part of their lives. When she knows her true worth, she attracts her most aligned partner. Most of the women who come to me for support are incredible mothers and successful in the workforce, but they have challenges when it comes to their romantic relationships. Here's one of the mistakes that I notice over and over again. Women often date with the same energy that they bring to their jobs. Competition, one-upsmanship, being argumentative. And while this can help them become a success in the workforce, it can totally turn off the men that they're interested in. I used to think that men would be more attracted to me if they knew how crazy busy I was. This is a really common mistake, and once you understand what does not work in dating, you can easily make a few small changes in how you present yourself on dates and to your dates. Crazy busy is actually a word that... um, connotes like a numbing, like uh, that you're so busy that you don't have time for anything or anybody. And the way that men took it wasn't, wow, she's so competent, she's so amazing. They would think, well, she doesn't have time for me. So, you know, a simple word can turn off somebody. A simple um, way of presenting yourself can be a total turnoff. And it's not necessarily representative of who you are at your best. So I would love to help you change some of these dating behaviors if you find yourself making them because I want you to have a healthy and loving relationship. And that's why I created a free guide where I explain the top three mistakes that midlife daters make and how you can turn them around to find lasting love. It's my free gift to you. And if you want a copy, all you have to do is go to lastfirstdate.com and sign up on my home page because I want you to go on your last first date Today we have a fabulous sponsor, eHarmony. Are you turned off by online dating? Say hello to EH+. This is eHarmony founder Dr. Neil Clark Warren. EH+, takes the best parts of eHarmony and combines them with personal matchmaking. With EH+, a matchmaker will learn all about you and handpick your matches. No computer needed. Get started today. Call 855-940-LOVE. That's 855-940-L-O-V-E. And now our special guest, Jeff Zeth. He is a social worker, a parent, a coach, a mentor, and a musician. He has 25 years of experience helping people create change. And he also calls himself your average guy who figured things out with the help of some wise teachers who challenged and inspired him. He's a published author in the area of men's issues and addiction, and he blogs at rhythmoflifecoach.wordpress.com. 
Join us now as we discuss dating in midlife and whether age really matters. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Thank you, Sandy, and thank you for having me. My pleasure. So um, let's talk about dating in midlife. What do you find are the biggest differences between dating now, over 40, 50, 60, and dating, say, in your 20s? I can speak from personal experience, and I can also speak from the experience of a lot of the people that I've worked with. And um, <clears throat> I can tell you probably one of the biggest differences is that um, in your 20s, it's and you know into your 30s, and to some degree, you know, into your early 40s. Uh, it, in this culture, it's kind of considered okay to not know what you want, to sort of you know drift along, letting things happen to you. Um, but that's, that's absolutely the kiss of death when you hit midlife, midlife, um, particularly men, which is who I work with, uh, men are really expected to know who and what they want. And, uh, if you don't adjust your style, uh, from when you're in your twenties and you just sort of drift along and allow things to happen to you, you can find yourself, um, setting yourself back in a major way. You know, I haven't looked at it from the men's perspective. Obviously, I'm a woman, um, yes. and I work mostly with women. But um, I find this interesting. So you're saying that um, men, even into their 40s, are kind of drifting along, and and it's okay in the dating world for well, for them maybe 20s, maybe 20s and 30s. Okay. I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it you know, it re- really depends. Um, it, it, you know, it depends on the man. It depends on the situation. But I, I think in general, um, it's uh, you know, things can happen without a whole lot of agency. You know, um, you know, college campuses or you know, places where it's relatively easy to meet someone without a lot of effort and things like that. And um, so, you know, I know a lot of relationships get formed that way. And, um, you know, when a, when a young man or a young woman graduates, they're, you know, sort of out in the world and it's really a different environment. It's an environment where they, they have to take volition. They have to take initiative and, and, you know, meet the people that they want and put themselves in environments where they're likely to meet the people who are going to further their career and, you know, um, possibly help them meet their life partner. So it's, it's it's a little different, the agency. So so here, so now you're talking about like the difference in how you meet people. Um, yeah. So in college, it's sort of a cushion and, and it's okay to not have to take take initiative because it's pretty easy to um, to meet people. Um, which I yeah. Agree. Yeah, I um, remember college being in a... Oh, go for it. What? I just remember college being an environment where it was really pretty easy to meet people. You didn't have to work too hard. You know, people were in class with you. They were, you know, on campus with you, particularly a small college where I I went to a small college campus. You know, um, you see the same people day day after day. Mm -hmm. It's really not that difficult. Yeah. So when you get older, you have to create those opportunities um, for sure. And so... How how would you suggest that people meet people when they get older? A big part of it is um, 
knowing what you want. You know, uh, you have to really uh, come up with a clear picture of the type of person you want to meet. Um, you know, people use vision boards and things like that. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's important to kind of put your, choose to put your attention on it. Once you choose to put your attention on it, then you can kind of flesh out the details of, you know, who your, your ideal partner is, what they're going to look like, what they're, you know, what they're going to be like. And then the next step really is putting yourself in environments where you're likely to meet those people, you know, um, and then for men, it's and, and women, I would imagine it's going to be different. I mean, I, as you know, I work with a lot of men. So with men, it's like, it's a question of, you know, who do I talk to? How do I talk to her? Things like that. Um, I'm not sure what it would be for women, but it would be, it would be, um, you know, taking those three steps, you know, like first figuring out what, what you want, looking at the environment where you're likely to, to have access to those people and then, and then, you know, taking the steps to meet them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're giving men confidence, it sounds like, to be able to speak to women um, and take the first, make that first move. Is that, is that part of what your work is? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, my, the way I do it is I want men to really think about women. There's, there's a lot of men now that really think of women, uh, in the abstract and the theoretical. And, um, one of the first things I do with men, particularly if they haven't dated for a long time is get them out there in the world dealing with real live women. (laughs) You know, it's, um, it's pretty difficult if you're isolated. It's it's pr- pretty difficult to kind of break out of that shell. It's pretty easy to stay isolated, and so one of the, one of the first things I do is just get them out, um, you know, talking to people. Um, I work on a couple of different fronts. I mean, I'll, I'll um, talk to them about their physical body, about you know what they need to do to feel good about themselves. I'm not a trainer, of course, but uh, I'll talk to them about you know, what they need to do to feel good about themselves physically. And that in and of itself, you know, produces a a tremendous amount of confidence, just that. Um, And then, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of different steps that men can take to sort of add value to their interactions and help them, you know, help them get the courage to actually go out and start speaking to people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, and it's interesting, there are so many people who are so freaked out by being in these social situations that that mm-hmm. feel like you're speaking to a foreign person, like somebody from another planet almost. And yeah. um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm always curious when I lead my groups of women to hear what they have to say about their feelings about men. Um, because we have so many beliefs that are ingrained from our history, from from the media, and right now I'm teaching a communications course, and so I said, well, you know, how do you think men communicate, and what do you think of men? And I just wanted to hear the negative stuff because there's a lot of it, and I wanted mm-hmm. to get it all out on mm-hmm. the table. Mm-hmm. And um, it was amazing what came out of <laughs> it. Like men are chauvinistic, men are self-centered, they're narcissists, they are. Um, let's see, um, they are emotionally shut down. Um, mm. and so 
you know, my job is to help them see that not all men are like that. They may have had an experience with some men who they attracted into their lives who acted that way, and some of it is because of how they presented themselves. Um, you know, if they allowed abuse to happen by the way that they did not have boundaries or whatever confidence or, you know, the many things that we need to have healthy relationships. And I'm curious as to what men are saying about women. Ah, um, similar things, actually. It's, it's funny to hear you talk about some of the things that women are bringing up because it's, you know, it's similar. Uh, you know, when, when men go negative, they tend to talk about some of the th- same things. You know, they're, they're narcissistic. You know, they're stuck up. You know, they don't, uh, they really want only wealthy guys or they won't only want really good looking guys. And of course, you know, anyone who spends any time with, with real women know that, knows that, you know, it's not all about the, uh, you know, how much money a guy has or how good, how good looking a guy is. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean it's it's um, it's similar. There's you know I think a lot of a lot of men take their own shallow side and kind of put it out onto the women that they're meeting, and so they're seeing shallowness and they're seeing that side of themselves and the women that they meet. And it's it's sad when when a guy um, can't get past that and, and mm-hmm. you know can't really see beyond the surface because there you know there's some really wonderful women out there yeah and i and i there are some wonderful men out there and i think that um you yeah. know often it when, women and men need to be in conversation more often um which is why i bring men into my coaching groups um so that women can actually ask questions and um and talk to them about their concerns um when i taught a course on how to find love online i had a panel of men for the last class, and women were saying things like, tell us how to be, you know, how do you want us to be? Just tell us. And mm. the guys were saying, mm. like, be real, like, be you. Yeah. Huh. Um, the, yeah, the problem with being you is often that being you has been so covered up in so many layers that it's it's not very attractive. Um, you know, it's you with no boundaries. It's you, you know, being a people pleaser, which isn't, really the true you so i help i help get the little you know discern the difference between being real and and actually you know just letting it all hang loose and saying hey you like me for who i am (laughs) i'm so glad you said that because it's it you know the the men the men's issues are the same even though on the surface they look totally different men really have a a hard time showing who they are And, and of course we get this advice all the time you know, from well-meaning friends and family, just be yourself, you know, well, what does that mean? (laughs) You know, I mean, uh, who else am I being? And, uh, you know, I mean, people aren't really accepting me for, for who I'm presenting, but what they're presenting is, you know, it's what you're describing, you know, someone who's people pleasing and doing all these things, you know, adding these uh, extra layers of being that are really kind of, artificial and we're added later as, as ways to adapt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a fascinating conversation. We could have a whole show about the differences between men and women and how we see each other. I'm, yeah. I'm really fascinated by this topic. Um, but I want to take a quick break. We'll come back in a minute to speak with Jeff Seth about 
what kind of mindset is helpful when dating in midlife. And um, But right now I'm going to um, give another shout-out to our sponsor, eHarmony. Are you frustrated with online dating? Well, I have good news for you. The number one relationship experts at eHarmony have created a new premium service, and it's called EH+. EH Plus combines the personal attention of a matchmaker with eHarmony's matching technology and extensive pool of great singles. With EH Plus, each matchmaker will learn about you and handpick your matches so there's no computer needed. I know a lot of my cl- clients lo- would love that. Are you ready to find the love of your life? Get started at ehplus.com. That's www.ehplus.com. And one thing that um, I learned is that EH Plus, their, their matchmakers are all, uh, they're, they're very skilled. They have PhDs, they are therapists, and um, I'm actually interviewing one of them next month, and I'm excited because she's going to share so much great information about how to date with dignity and self-respect and open up your search so that you're not so narrow in what you're looking for. So like back to what we were just saying Jeff, mm. about mm-hmm. um, shallowness and the preconceived notions and limiting beliefs. I mean, this is so common. So, you know, this is all about mindset. So let's talk about mindset. And what do you think is a helpful mindset when dating in midlife? Well, particularly, uh, you know, for the over 40 crowd, um, it's, it's pretty important that you play to your strengths and that you not be anything other than who you are. And who we are is, uh, you know, someone who's seen something in the world. We're, we're people who've maybe had to fight for a thing or two in our lives. Um, you know, we've seen some things and we've done some things. And, you know, it's really important that we, that we play to those strengths and let that, let that hang out. Um, it's also very equally important that we not try to emulate the behavior of young people. You know, um, I, I, I'm always telling my, my male clients, do not dress like you're 25 years old, dress like you're 45 years old or 35 years old. And, you know, you're going to go to venues where you're, you know, you're likely to meet uh, people who, who, who want to talk to you. So it's a matter of, you know, choosing appropriate, uh, clothes that really express who you are and the experience that you've 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 gained, and um, you know, putting yourself out there in environments that uh, they're going to let that are going to let you shine as a as a midlife person. So, what environments would those be? Can you name a few that people might want to check out? Oh gosh, um, online is is. It's growing now. You know, I, I think I read something uh, a few weeks ago about the online environment being more accessed now by by you know, an older and older crowd. It's great if you've got um, you know if you've got responsibilities at home and, and things like that. Um, for those who like to go out, I would say definitely avoid like you know the high uh, the high energy environments and go ballroom dancing. You know, um, ballroom, salsa, uh, those places, people love to dance. That's, uh, that's one thing. Um, I tend to, 
discourage clients from going to the singles events for for a couple of different reasons. But definitely, definitely like learn to enjoy yourself in, in in you know these these other kinds of alternate environments. Yeah, those are great ideas. Um, I like meetups also. Um, yes. Oh, I, I I organize a Groupon meetup. It's funny that oh. I completely forgot meetup. Yeah, yeah, meetup.com <laughs> is great. You know, talking about like, you know, people who love Italian wine from southern Italy or something or uh, you know, um coffee from Central America. You know, it's no, it's great. Mm-hmm. It's great to, you know, get, you know, sort of organize meetups around your interests, you know, get together with like-minded people and, you know, if you do that often enough, you'll start meeting um, members of the opposite sex that you know mm-hmm. that you're attracted to as a matter of course. Yeah, and you'll have things in common, and it's much more organic than you know going to a singles event where everybody feels like they're just kind of in a meat market. Um, yep. It's I always hated them, and I actually forced mm-hmm. myself to go to things just because I you know I tell my clients to try lots of things, so I said I'm gonna go way out of my comfort zone and go to some of these horrible parties with loud noise and <laughs> basements and like, oh my God, everything. You're I a brave did. soul. <laughs> I did it twice and I said, okay, I'm done. I just, you know, they just really hated it. Um, it's just not, I, you can't even have a conversation. It's not me. It's not me. It can but be fun as a confidence anything. builder, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, some people love them. Some people love having huge social gatherings, especially if you're an extrovert. You're going to love being in a really stimulating environment. But if you're an introvert like me, I like being in quieter environments and having deeper conversations. Um, mm-hmm. really feel so awkward in a situation like that. Um, and always have my whole life. So it's not changed since I was in my 20s. Um, so let me ask you a question. I just got off the phone with somebody who's, um, I, she's in her late 60s, maybe early 70s. She's mm-hmm. always dated men who are much younger. And mm-hmm. um, she says, I get along better with younger men. She has men in her life who are in their 40s. Um, one of the things she said um, is, there are a couple of things that were interesting, but one is that men her age tend to have sexual issues and are very... Um, their their ego prevents them from really exploring um, ways to have to to do things alternatively. Mm. Um, do you have any experience with that? Like what you know, how to handle a situation where you're dating in midlife um, and your you know your partner has a sexual issue, and it can happen with men and women. Um, how to how to handle that with with grace and dignity? Well. I think it's important to, you know, once we start talking about sexual issues, it's, um, you know, there's a whole bunch of medical interventions now that that were not available uh, up until pretty recently. You know, uh, we have uh, medications now and and injections too for, you know, I mean, there's, there's people with histories of prostate cancer. I know a lot of, a lot of men are surviving prostate cancer now. And, um, so there's, there's all different kinds of ways, but you know that you can address some of the problems. But um, you know you need to be willing to admit first that you're not the man at 70 that you were at 20, and um, you know it takes a certain amount of 
humility and, and introspection. You need to be able to admit those things before you, you get the help. So, you know, and of course, a nice healthy dose of open-mindedness and looking for other ways of, of pleasuring your partner is pretty important, I would say. You know, when there's significant age differences, I think that's that's definitely true. So your friend, you know, I mean, it sounds like she has more in common with, with the much younger men. There may be a generational thing too. Um, you know, that I, I think not that not that insight is more valued in this generation but uh there's a certain there's a certain mindset i think which allows men to be a little bit more vulnerable now in, in the sense that they were not available to do that you know 30 40 years ago when some of these older men were growing up mhm that's my yeah, guess I yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, that's been my experience as a woman dating at this age, that I'm finding yeah. men to be much more open-minded. They are more willing to talk about feelings. Um, I also know how to talk about feelings better than I did. And I think that when, if both people are working on becoming much more vulnerable and better at communication and creating a safe environment, um, then you can have these conversations and nobody feels threatened um, or unsafe, which is really the key. Yeah, yeah, safety safety and comfort are important. Um, you know, safety, you know, it's kind of a buzzword now. And, and, uh, and when it comes to relationships, um, safety is important, but there's, there's also a certain amount of um, risk, I think, that's necessary too. And um, I am going to go out on a limb here and say that it's really incumbent upon the man to take the risk um, for for a couple of different reasons, and, and probably one of them being that that um, if you if you've taken a look at uh, this wonderful book that that's really influenced my life a lot called the Way of the Superior Man by David Data, mm-hmm. who talks about how um, masculine people. It's not right to say men because there's different, um, you know, there's masculine and feminine qualities in both men and women. But masculine-oriented people uh, tend to um, grow through challenge, and feminine-oriented people tend to grow through praise and, and you know, things like that. So I think I think uh, the masculine person in the relationship is really the one responsible for really taking the risk and for sitting with discomfort probably more than the part, the other partner. So risk in terms of like what uh, kind of risk? Showing vulnerability, um, maybe getting out of your comfort zone a little bit more than you're used to doing. Uh, I don't believe that it's the feminine partner's responsibility to do that. I think that the, the masculine partner really needs to do that. Mm. Well, it's always wonderful when the masculine partner does do that. Um, and, you know, what I what I train my clients to do is to to create the space for the man to show up. Um, because what I find is they often emasculate um, by showing up and making wrong. And, you know, I talked mm-hmm. about it a little bit at the beginning of the show. Um, it's it's when you're constantly criticizing, making wrong, um, 
you know, correcting, even as simple as, I'd love to take you out to dinner at this Italian restaurant. And she says, oh, I hate Italian. Um, mm-hmm. You know, instead of just being encouraging, thank you so much for, you know, wanting to take me out, I'm, you know, might I suggest a different restaurant because I really prefer Chinese food. I mean, just, just the difference mm-hmm. in language yeah. can make all the difference because men, men want to win. <laughs> they want to be winning with yes. the woman, and women don't always create that that environment to help them win. Well, the beauty of that problem, too, Sandy, that you're describing, I mean, the, the positive part of that is that, uh, you know, the women in these relationships are very strong. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what they need to, it sounds like what they need to do is really figure out a way to express that strength in in ways that are attractive to the man. Mm-hmm. And that, that are not going to emasculate them, as you said. Yeah, and I think we'd all be a lot better off if there, um, a lot better, um, and to and to not be judging as much and criticizing as much. Um, yeah. Well, let's solve the world's problems in a half hour. This. Is- <laughs> Um, I've enjoyed it a lot, Sandy. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Jeff. I really appreciate you being on the show today. And um, so, people want to reach you. How can they find you? Sure, they can. um, They can write to me at uh, jrzef2 at gmail dot com. That's jr my first initials and then z e t h, then the numeral two at gmail dot com, and. you know, they can tell me whatever it is that they want to tell me. I, I am um, running a men's support group uh, every other Tuesday for men who are actively dating who want to use what we call SMART goals, where we're really looking at running uh, your your dating life like a business. And we're really going to take all the tools that we, you know, people are used to using in business. We're, we're going to apply those to uh, to our dating lives. So that's, you know, that's something that, that's happening for anyone who's in the New York City area. Oh, cool. I'd love to talk to you more about that. Sure. Well, we are out of time. And so thank you again, Jeff. And um, thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. And I hope you go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Take care.